0: All right, we're going to pray. Please agree with me over the word. Man, I love this about River of Life. We really pray over the word. The word of the Lord is so important, and we've got to have it. It's the anchor in our lives, okay? It's what keeps us and sustains us in our Christian walk, it keeps the boundaries there, guides us. We have to have the word. The word is vital. And so I'm going to pray over the word tonight, and I thank y'all for agreeing with me. So, Father, we come in agreement together as a church. And we really pray over this word tonight. We love your word. And we just want to take a moment to thank you for the word of God. Lord, that you've given us the Bible. Lord, it's such an incredible gift. Thank you so much. Where would we be without the word? I mean, we would be in all kinds of deception. But Lord, thank you for your word. We love you. And we ask you tonight that you would bless this time of getting into the word. Lord, I pray the precious Holy Spirit that he would be empowering this. And that the presence and power of the Holy Spirit to be released out to everyone that's going to be hearing this. Even people that are hearing this off recordings, maybe years from now. But Lord, we ask that your precious Holy Spirit anoint this. And every person hearing this, that we get captivated by the Holy Spirit to give the Lord our best ear, our full attention, our focus. That, Father, I pray your Holy Spirit anoint our eyes and ears to be able to see and hear. That we have eyes and ears of the Spirit to see and to hear what the Spirit is saying to us. And, Lord, I pray that we would have good, fertile soil of hearts and minds, that we won't have hardened hearts. We're not going to have our minds shut off by different belief systems, et cetera, that aren't right. But, Lord, just good soil, good soil, that the truth of the Word can be sown in as living seeds. And, Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit water those seeds planted in us. Let them get where they're supposed to. And um, take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains until Jesus comes. Lord, I pray let the precious winds of the Spirit of God carry the word of the Lord like seed scattered out to the nations through the internet, that this is going to go out, the word of the Lord go out to the nations, and everywhere it's supposed to get, it will get there. Lord, let your mighty angels watch over the word, because there's people out there that may desperately need something in this sermon, that the angels will watch over it to protect it. Because the Bible says, the birds of the air try to steal the seed, and that's an attack of the devil. And so, Lord, we serve notice that everything about this sermon is under the blood of Jesus, and we bind up anything of the devil that would try to hinder it right now. We command you will back off and get away from this word in Jesus' name. And, Lord, we stand on the promise that the word of the Lord will go forth and will accomplish that which you sent it forth to do. So, Lord, we believe together for that, and we thank you for that you would anoint me, and we ask you to come speak through me everything that needs to be said. In Jesus' name, we pray all this, and we believe, we expect right now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys for praying. All right, so tonight's going to be a very different sermon than usual, okay? Very different. This is really more in house for River of Life than most sermons that I preach. Uh, next week, I'm going to be dealing with a sermon series called Doctrines of Demons, and I'm going to be going into a lot of information over a long period of time. And we're going to cover a lot of things. I don't know how long that series is going to go, but I feel like it's going to be lengthy. But we're going to deal with a lot of stuff, and that's going to be real public. But this sermon tonight is really dealing with River of Life. I feel like it'll be a blessing to everybody that hears it. But God's about to do something, River of Life. I want you to hear me. God is about to break something open for River of Life um it's not just going to be us alone there's going to be other people that's affected by what's about to happen but God's about to break something in the heavens over this region and God's about to open something up and there's about to be a major move of the spirit hit river Blythe. I'm telling you it's going to be significant and God is going to save the lost he's going to heal like never before he's going to deliver people like never before and there's going to be a great revival great revival fire and god is going to purify and get a bride ready for his coming and it's going to be significant and i feel like that many people will start hearing about what god's doing and coming and god's going to have to make a way for different things you know we're going to need a bigger place he's going to work all that out but god is about to do something so i'm trying to get people ready and don't be surprised when things start opening up and i mean it's going to be significant all right so with that in mind God's always had a remnant, and so that's why I wanted to entitle this sermon Remnant, and that I, I want you to think about this for a minute. And this is a sermon I think that will be challenging for all of us in some respects. And one, one of the things I want to say is this, that I want to be a part of God's remnant. Not, see, there's a lot of people go to church out there, but not everybody that goes is necessarily right with the Lord. We all know that. And um, not everybody that goes to church out there is really hungry and on fire for God. Amen? And not everybody out there that goes to church and calls themselves a Christian um, would be among the group of people that are really, really intimate with the Lord. Um, It seems to me like the tabernacle is a perfect example of what I'm trying to say. The outer court was quite big. And it was lit by natural sunlight. And it had the smell of death in it because all those animals were being killed there and that's kind of where a lot of the church is you know they're still spiritually dead all they see is by natural light they don't have any real revelation you hear what i'm saying it's big this is where most people dwell it's a place kind of dead and dry but then you move from the outer court to the holy place the holy place is much smaller and more, there's less people that get in there see what i mean and it's a place where the incense, you smell the incense. It's a place where, for speaking metaphorically now, where the gifts of the Spirit will be in operation. And there is somewhat of a move of the Spirit. And there is some revelation knowledge. And it's good. It's good. And that would be where some people get to. But the Holy of Holies is a very small. It's about 10, 10 cubits square, which is about 15 feet square. It wasn't big. The ark speaks of God's throne. And a smaller group of people are going to get into the Holy of Holies. But that's the glory of the Lord. That's the glory realm. And this is a place I believe, with all my heart, I believe that this is really like a remnant, like a, a bride, if you will. Those that want to know the Lord. Those that are not going to settle for anything less than Book of Acts Christianity. They're just hungry for more. I guess the best way to say what I'm trying to say is this. Not everybody's hungry for more, but there are some people out there that are really hungry for more. That's the remnant. If you're really, really hungry, you're longing to go deeper in the Lord. And so, um, let me open up with this. It's going to seem a little strange at first, but bear with me because it'll make sense as I read this out of Numbers 5. So, in the Old Testament times, God had to give this as a way of seeing if a wife was unfaithful or not to her husband there was a test obviously if she was guilty then this would come upon her and it'd be a horrible thing but it also was a very positive thing for people that were innocent because it would vindicate them you see what i'm saying so let's just read it together i don't have all this necessarily your notes there because for the sake of time and space i couldn't put it there for you For those that are online, it's on our website. Um, Numbers 5, starting with verse 11. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, If any man's wife goes astray and is unfaithful to him, and a man has intercourse with her, and it is hidden from the eyes of her husband, and she is undetected, although she has defiled herself, and there is no witness against her, she has not been caught in the act, but if a spirit of jealousy comes over her husband and he's jealous of his wife that she's defiled herself or spirit jealousy comes over him and he is jealous of his wife when she has not defiled herself so maybe she's innocent but he's now jealous the man shall bring his wife to the priest so they're to come to the tabernacle he's going to bring his wife they're going to go to the tabernacle now and they're going to go to the priesthood And he shall bring as an offering one-tenth of an ephah of barley meal. And he shall pour oil on it. He shall not pour oil on it, nor put any frankincense on it. For it is a grain offering of jealousy. So it's different than usual. Normally when people brought a grain offering, they'd put oil and give it to the priest. The priest would sprinkle incense and they would burn it. But in this case, he said, leave the oil and the frankincense off. It's a grain offering of jealousy, a grain offering of memorial, a reminder of iniquity. Then the priest shall bring her near and have her stand before the Lord. So now she's in the outer court area facing the tent where the holy place is. She's, she's drawn near where the Lord dwells. And the priest shall take holy water out of the, um, the laver. So, as many of you are familiar with the tabernacle you know that right before you went into the tent part the holy place there was a veil there and there was a big bronze bowl of water and the priest had to wash their hands and feet before they could go in and minister before the Lord burning incense and so it's interesting too because this water this water was going to either show that she's guilty or it would vindicate her she's innocent so isn't it interesting that whenever Moses constructed the tabernacle the Bible specifically says that it was the women that brought these bronze they called them looking glasses but they were basically just mirrors handheld mirrors but it was really highly polished bronze so that you could see your reflection in them and the Bible clearly says that the women brought all of their bronze looking glasses and those were the very things that made this laver and the bible says that and so the very thing that the women contributed to in the tabernacle was going to vindicate them if they were innocent isn't that awesome and so he said the priest shall take some of this water out of the laver this holy water in an earthen an earthen vessel so like pottery he's going to take some of the dust that's on the floor of the tabernacle and put it in the water so he's kneeling down he's picking up some of this dirt that's the made up you know making up the ground here how many knows that when god comes that ground becomes holy ground you know what i'm saying he's going to take some of that dirt and sprinkle it into that water and the priest shall have the woman stand before the lord and let her hair hang loose and place the grain offering of memorial in her hands which is the grain offering of jealousy and in the hand of the priest is to be the water of bitterness that brings a curse. And the priest shall have her take an oath and shall say to the woman, if no man has lain with you and if you have not gone astray into uncleanness, being under the authority of your husband, may you be immune to this water of bitterness that brings a curse. In other words, it's not going to affect you. If, however, you went astray, being under the authority of your husband, and you defiled yourself, and a man other than your husbands had intercourse with you. Then the priest shall have the woman swear with the oath of the curse, and the priest shall say to the woman, The Lord make you a curse and an oath among the people by the Lord, making that your thighs will waste away, your abdomen will swell, and this water will bring a curse and go into your stomach. And make your abdomen swell, your thighs waste away, and the woman shall say, Amen. Ultimately, this would cause death, okay? Okay? and it was it seemed to me the way it's being described it would not be a way you would want to die okay so the priest shall then write these curses on a scroll and he shall say or he shall wash them into the water of bitterness so now the priest has had this water from the laver he's put the dirt in it he's he wrote down the curse on a piece of parchment or whatever And now he's going to take some more water and he's going to run it over that scroll and it's going to wash those words into this water. So the water this woman is about to drink has all that in it. And the priest shall take the grain offering of jealousy from the woman's hand and he will wave the grain offering before the Lord and bring it up to the altar. This is the bronze altar where animals were sacrificed. And the priest shall take a handful of the grain offering as a memorial offering and offer it up in the smoke on the altar. And afterward he will make the woman drink the water so the grain offering that her husband brought is now being burnt she's gone through this ritual and she's taken an oath mind you at any point in time you would think that if she was guilty in the presence of god and with this going on she would just simply say i'm guilty you know but anyway she's had chance here to to do that but she's not of course at the same time you got to keep in mind the punishment was death for adultery so that's probably why she would keep quiet i'm sure all right so now it says that this is a law of jealousy and so it says in verse 28 but if the woman has not defiled herself she will be free and be able to conceive children but if she drinks this and she's guilty she'll waste away so this is a law of jealousy when a wife being under the authority of her husband goes astray and defiles herself or when a spirit of jealousy comes over a man and he's jealous of his wife, he shall then make the woman stand before the Lord and the priest shall apply the salt to her. Moreover, the man will be free from guilt, but the woman shall bear her guilt if she was an adulteress. But if she was not an adulteress, she would be vindicated. All right. So this is an interesting scripture to me because in the Bible, adultery doesn't just have to do with sexual immorality alone. But God views adultery as idolatry before him. So in the Bible, when you read about Israel and they began to worship other gods, you'll always read that God would say, I'm a jealous God and you're being unfaithful to me. And God viewed this this as an adulterous affair that the nation of Israel was having with another God. See, that's the way God's always viewed it. And so keep that in mind as we go through this. And how many of you guys knows that in... In regards to idolatry that an idol can be anything in our lives that's too important anything that we're spending way too much time on it's taking away from the lord anything that we're trusting in other than god we're putting our trust in this thing over here anything that has stolen our affections, stolen our desires see the devil tries to bring a lot of different things into people's lives to be an idol and what is the goal of idolatry in that respect in a christian's life it is to begin to pull them away from the lord pretty soon they're not praying pretty soon they're not really seeking god anymore something is there that's that is uh, like a wall between them and the lord and next thing you know they're backsliding away from god but it started with adult uh, some kind of a spiritual adultery in their life that they got an idol and i'll tell you what it is a lot of time i'll give you an example i've seen especially among young people because i've ministered a lot through my ministry to the younger generation they end up getting with the wrong friends but especially dating the wrong person it becomes an idol and next thing you know they're far far from god something has crept in all right now keep all that in mind and let's look at something real quick when moses was getting this from the lord we know the story Moses went up Mount Sinai, and he was there with the Lord, and he's receiving all this information And Moses eventually wrote all this in the book of Genesis Exodus Leviticus numbers and Deuteronomy. He wrote it in what's called the Torah or the Pentateuch But Moses is in the process of getting this And what's happening down at the bottom of the mountain is that the children of Israel had just come out of Egypt, and they still got a lot of Egypt in, in them, okay? And next thing you know, here's Moses with God getting this information that we call the Torah. He's getting this, and the children of Israel now have gotten Aaron building them what? A golden calf. And now they're dancing around this thing, they're worshiping this thing, they're saying, This is the God that brought us out of Egypt. and it's idolatry but god views it how does god view idolatry here adultery they they had just pledged before the lord we will do what you say they just promised god we we will be your people what you command we will do and moses wasn't even up the mountain too terribly long till they're already being unfaithful to the lord so it's interesting because when i first read this years ago i never really understood why moses did this till now i thought he was just really ticked off but there was a reason why he did this exodus 32 verse 20 when moses came down the mountain and he's and he saw them doing what they were doing worshiping this golden calf he threw down the 10 commandments that he had and they broke he was so angry he goes down there listen to what he did Exodus 32 verse 20 it says he took the calf that the people had made he burned it with fire he ground it down into powder and scattered it in the water and then he made the Israelites drink it you understanding why he's doing that now he just got this information from the Lord Uh, what I read you out of numbers he was getting this information and he wanted to know who who was committing adultery on the Lord right now? It doesn't say in the Bible, but we can deduce from reading it that something began to happen to the guilty people that made them look different than the people that were innocent. And Moses said, who's for the Lord? And the Levites gathered unto him, and then he said, go and kill those, and don't spare anybody, whether it be a relative or whatever, kill all those that we know that it was the guilty parties and i believe because moses had them do this drink that water that something in my opinion something physically was happening to them that the levites knew who was guilty and who wasn't and they killed all the guilty parties and god purged israel from idolatry that day And I believe that God has been doing a deep work in River of Life over a period of time. I say all that to say this. I believe that God has really been dealing with things in all of us that need to be dealt with. He's been really purifying, like gold refined in the fire. God has been dealing with any unforgiveness. He's been dealing with sin. He's been dealing with idolatry. And He's been very merciful, and He's been really calling us to to be holy unto him and and to be humble and repentant and he's been purifying us he's been sifting us and i believe the month of march was in actual fact an unprecedented month for river of life of purification god did something in that month that i don't think he's ever done before in our history he did a deep work in every person and let me tell you what god's been doing he's a jealous god and he also wants a people that are completely totally his god does not want a group of people that or have like a half commitment to him he wants our whole life or nothing at all he doesn't want lukewarmness remember that you're either on fire or you're cold pick you know choose I remember Elijah standing up there saying, you know, on Mount Carmel, the fire came down, but he was telling Israel, You better choose which God you're going to serve. If Baal's your God, then go worship Baal. But you're not going to play this game of worshiping God and Baal at the same time. And God's been doing something where He's He's looking for a group of people that will not have divided hearts, that will be totally completely his sold out completely amen i would hate to think today if um if god was to somehow enact this in the whole body of christ where something you know i don't know how in the world he did but somehow he made all of us drink this water you know i would hate to think how many people it would be very manifest how many how much idolatry is in their life i just put it that way but God wants us totally, completely, 100% sold out to Him. All right. The second thing I would say is this is a very different sermon tonight. This is for you guys. Because God's about to really pour out His Spirit, and God's wanting us to be ready. And one of the messages that we're, is going to be preached in River of Life is going to be like what I just said it's going to be a message of holiness, a message of repentance a message that is convicting it's going to be a message calling people to the lord repent get things right with god that's always the message of revival and it will be the message of what god's about to do through river of life as well but another thing i would say because as a pastor you really love people you want people to be free you want people to be victorious and i remember that recently someone shared with me a vision and they saw a minister that was that was totally enveloped with a hedge around him total protection do you know how hedges of protection come to people living obedient to the word and so i say that because i want people that your finances are blessed and protected okay and so i'm sharing this for that reason with that heart And I know that many, many people in River of Life are already doing this, but let's go over it together. In the days to come, I want people to be so blessed financially. I want to hear people telling testimonies of how God has really blessed them in an awesome way. And studying this out in the Bible, this is what God showed me about finances in the Bible. And I preached a a mini-series called Kingdom Finance on it. I think it was four sermons but we looked at this in depth but there's are seven areas of giving that will change your life if you apply them and so i know that whenever you're dealing with these issues with finance all seven of these issues are different okay each of them unique and different in their own way but if you'll take inventory tonight if you'll look at your finances and you'll look at am i doing this am i doing this am i am i being faithful here If you'll start being obedient to the Lord in these areas, you watch, God will bless you big time. My wife and I have always been tithers, but once we started doing this, God began to really bless us financially like never before. The first thing is don't glean the corners of your harvest. So Israel had a harvest field. You know, a farmer would have this big field. And when it came harvest time, the farmer would go out, and he would harvest the crops but god told him to leave the edges for the poor and i think about all of us have people that we come across that are less fortunate and you know we've always tried to do this because after church we do some witnessing and then we all meet up at the restaurant we go to and hang out for a little bit and Every you know, for I don't know how long, but we've had different waitresses that have been really great, as long as they work there and then be a different one, but they'd kinda become like part of our family, you know. But they've honestly, you know, working there, they they're not making the big bucks, you know, we all know that. And so, you know, many have tried in River of Life to really be generous toward them in a tip or whatever. That's gleaning that that is not gleaning the corners. That's letting your overflow bless people that are less fortunate. So just being, I'm just saying just in a practical way that when you see people that are in need, okay, that you're the type of person that will try to, to be a blessing. Number two is, um, be Kareem, this is the first fruits. Now this is a concept that I don't think the body of Christ has been taught. This is something that is, really should be taught, but it's not. How many knows that God wants your first and your best? he always has and so the first fruits is different than your tithe and it's really something so let me tell you about the first fruits so in the days of of israel when this was given they they were farmers and so you're dealing with the you know animals the the firstborn of the animal was supposed to be the lord's they were supposed to bring it as an offering also whenever they would plant the tree the fruit trees and they would have these harvest fields Whenever harvest time came They would notice maybe a tree that was beginning to to bear fruit They would notice a part of their field that was coming up and this was called the first fruits And so the farmer would go out there maybe tie some kind of a ribbon or something on it to set it apart from the others and so the farmer would take his basket He would begin to gather in the first fruits load up his donkey and head toward the tabernacle To give his first fruits offering and as he's going You have to understand you've already had passover So now the first fruits are starting to come up and other people are doing the same thing So on the road to jerusalem, there'd be other people they'd be meeting up together and they're singing songs They're rejoicing. They're worshiping the lord as they take their first fruits to the tabernacle and they would bring them unto the priest but the first fruits the promises you can read there's some amazing promises there the proverb says this if you give the lord your first fruits he said i will cause your barns and your vats to overflow so the blessings associated with first fruits is abundance and there's something about this principle in the book of romans paul said if the first fruits are holy then the rest is holy so there's a principle there that when a farmer would take first fruits and he would give it to god that it was setting apart the whole field to be blessed does that make sense and so if you want to participate in this this is just what god led my wife and i to start doing but once a month whenever we would tithe we just simply started giving a first fruits offering unto the lord at the first of the month just to say thank you for your faithfulness to us thank you for taking care of us here's this first fruits offering and we would we would give to the lord and we still do that and since we've been doing that there's something about that that has brought a blessing on us of abundance all right tithing we know malachi 3 we know the 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 teachings if you don't tithe and and all that we know you're robbing god we understand that but I'm preaching to the choir because most everybody in River of Life are givers. But tithing has the the benefits of this. The Bible says, if you will tithe, it says that God will rebuke the devourer from your life. And I can attest to that that God has done that for me. He will cause things your, your roof won't spring a leak, your car won't break down. If some, if other people get laid off at work, you're not getting laid off. You see what I'm saying? It's like the devourer is rebuked from your life. And he said, I'll open the heavens and pour out so much blessings, there's not room enough to contain it. But that's the blessings associated with tithing. And I share this, God led me to share this in this sermon. And I believe one one of the reasons why he wanted me to share this is because of this. God loves everybody, but he won't pour out his spirit on a stingy, greedy people. He won't. And I remember Derek Prince when he went to Brown, the Brownsville Revival back in the 90s. The book Steve Hill wrote on revival during that time, I, the, the name of that book is escaping me. But he, Derek Prince had a foreword in it. And I read it to you guys a while back. But anyway, in this foreword, he was saying that you know, Brownsville had prayed, earnestly prayed for revival for two and a half years. And Derek was saying that he noticed that talking to the pastor there, that the overwhelming majority of people were tithers. And I remember reading this is a revival book. I remember reading him talking about that. And when he said that, I'm thinking to myself, Well that that's cool, you know. But then he goes on to say, because the Bible says about tithers, I will open the heavens and I'll pour out a blessing. So it's not just financial. I believe that that people that are givers that, that God's gonna they're the type of people God's gonna prod his spirit but people that are greedy and stingy and refuse to give I really believe that they're hindering themselves from having a great revival in their life. That's my opinion and um, There's other people share that opinion like I just mentioned Derek Prince But anyway, so tithing being faithful in that and then also in the Bible there was what's called a second tithe where people set aside finances For the special times of the Lord, like Passover, Pentecost, and other times that you and your family would be able to celebrate together before the Lord, like money was put back for that. Then you had Musaf, which this is the special offerings. Deuteronomy sixteen sixteen. There was a Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. There was three different times the Lord said, "Appear before me, but don't come empty-handed." There's something about those times that are very special and people would bring an offering to the lord at passover pentecost and tabernacles and i believe somehow this is connecting your finances to these feast times then the next is tzedakah. this is righteous giving this is all in everybody's notes okay so i know i'm going through this kind of quickly but tzedakah is just righteous giving this has to do with alms to the poor and i would also add blessing israel and what my wife and I, and I'm sharing this for your benefit, but what we felt led to do and was, you know, we would tithe every month, but we, had a, we would give above that. We would give a first fruits. We also would give above that and make sure that we gave to bless the poor and to bless Israel. And there are some powerful, powerful promises in the Bible for those that bless the poor. You should read Psalms 41. It says, those that regard the poor would be counted among the blessed of the land, not given over to the desires of their enemies. God said, I'll be with you in trouble and deliver you out of it. I'll heal you from any sickness. So there's some really powerful promises there. And I remember reading, see, we're talking about here about revival. You remember whenever the Lord was about to move from just Christianity being in Jerusalem and it being a Jewish thing, now breaking out to the Gentiles? What did God do? He picked a man by the name of Cornelius. The angel appears to Cornelius, and what does the angel say? He said this Your prayers and your alms to the poor have gone up before the Lord as a memorial offering. Now send for Peter. He's in Joppa, and he'll come to you. And so Cornelius, seeing this angel, and this angel tells him this, he sends for Peter. Peter comes. And the Bible says that Cornelius and his whole household were there and that while Peter was still talking, the Holy Spirit was poured out on Cornelius and his whole family the same way that the Holy Spirit was poured out in Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost. And the Jewish believers that were with Peter were astonished that God moved like that among the Gentiles. But what did the angel say to Cornelius? Your prayers and your alms to the poor. Your prayers and your giving there's something about that and so blessing the poor if you guys want to do that please consider doing that through river of life because we give to some wonderful ministries but it brings a blessing on the church that we're able to do it does that make sense everybody gives in here and then it goes out we add to it also blessing israel the bible says if you bless israel i will bless you and so there's something about Giving in a way that will bless the nation of Israel and then the final thing is free will offerings to the Lord When needs arise things come up at church. Maybe the preachers like, you know, look we got to uh, Paint this we got to do this. We got to repair this the AC needs this that people step up and are willing To um, be givers in those times, but those are seven areas of giving that I believe will be tremendously powerful people will apply them so, what I, I told my wife was, look, you know, because I studied this out a few years back, and we had been tithers and we had given above that sum. But I told her, I said, I want to make sure that we're doing all this. And so we looked at our finances, and I began to write all these different things down. And I wanted to really be obedient to the Lord in these areas. Since we started doing that, I'm telling you that God has increased us in and enlarged us big time. He's really, really blessed us. Now i want people blessed i want your finances blessed so pray about that okay here's the last couple things i want to talk about things that we can do that bring blessings upon us just like we we know here in river of life there's things that people can do that will bring a curse and you guys have said under that teaching before you know what i'm talking about you go visit a fortune teller you're doing something that's bringing a curse right There's other things people can do. Elicit sexual activity. There's just, you know, uh, abortions. There's different things people can do bring a curse on them. But there's things that you can do that can bring blessings on your life. So I'm going to give you these real quick. Six things. One is that you know the communion table will bring a blessing on you. The Bible calls the communion table the cup of blessing. When you take communion you are actually eating and drinking a blessing upon yourself. You're doing something that's literally bringing a blessing upon you. I'm going to explain this more in just a moment, but I believe that these feast times unto the Lord bring blessings on us. I don't believe you have to do it, just like you don't have to take communion to go to heaven. I don't believe you do. But I do believe there's blessings associated with it. Various forms of giving that I just mentioned to you, these different forms of giving bring blessings on you. So in the area of giving, Paul, the Apostle Paul in Corinthians, you know, used the analogy of planting seed and then reaping a harvest. Because if you plant sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. But if you plant abundantly, you'll reap abundantly. But that's the, that is the principle there. If people will begin to apply biblical principles to their finances, I'm going to tell you, I love everybody, but there are some people in the body of Christ that hate that. They do. They hate it. They can't stand it. There's something in them that just literally hates to hear preaching like that. And they rebel against it. I feel sorry for them because they usually have a lot of problems. But if you'll humble yourself and just obey the Lord and say, man, you know, the Bible says this, I want my life lined up there, and you'll begin to do it, it will bring a blessing on your finances big time. And blessing Israel will bring a blessing on you. Here's two things that we did as well this last month, really powerfully. There can be a male authority figure in your family, like a father. And if you can't, if you know you don't have a way of maybe your father's passed on or or you're totally estranged from him, you can have an uncle or a grandfather or somebody stand in proxy, but have them speak a blessing over you. See, that's foreign to a lot of people in the body of Christ as well. That's really sad. But in the Bible, speaking of blessings is very powerful. And on the first part of March, that was one of the strongest anointings I've ever felt in River of Life, hands down, was when we did that that night. I had my father come up and stand in proxy and speak of Father's blessing. Then we went through and we laid hands on every person and prayed that God would deposit that in every area of your life would be blessed. And I'm going to tell you something it's set in motion it's there it's there for the rest of your life it's there also a pastor getting up and speaking a blessing over a congregation these are things that will bring blessings on your life and then the last two things i want to talk about are this this is kind of instructional tonight but i'm about to get into a series but I felt God wanted you guys to know this because revival's about to break out. And what I'm sharing tonight is connected to what God's wanting to do. God wants us to understand that by doing certain things, you're continually living under blessings. And I want my life, by the grace of God with his help, I want my life obedient in every area to the Lord. And if you're really living in obedience to the Lord, there forms a thick hedge around your life to protect you. Some Christians are not fully there yet. They're obedient in certain areas, and they're not in others. And it's like if you picture a circle like a hedge all around somebody, part of the hedge is real strong, but other parts have big gaps in them. Because they're, they're real obedient and faithful here, but in this area they're like, I'm not going to do that well then there's a big big crack that forms there and that's going to be the very area where they have a lot of warfare coming at them is in that area so what are the benefits of these feast times i don't have time to get into this it's kind of an in-depth thing but i did a, a teaching called communion hebrew roots where i did this really long series a few years back and we dealt with the the feast of the lord and all that but i do believe there's something connect these feast times that are actually very powerful um it seems to me that there's a special open heaven about these times and everybody here would that's been here with me would agree that something seems to open up and just there's just a nearness of the lord but the bible calls these feast times he said that these are times that are a moedim and moed it's in in english would be m-o-e-d a moed was a it's translated time but it's also translated divine appointment and it's a time that god said that i would meet with my people and so it's a time where god seems to really come down in a powerful way i don't know how else to explain it but years ago i felt the lord leading me this direction and i shared this and man we just started um, having a special time around these feast days of having kind of a, a special service geared to that and you guys some of y'all remember man it was like the presence of God would come in and in a phenomenal way and then that that level it was like going to a new level it would sustain and that kept happening kept happening now to where a lot of what you sense in these services came in during these feast times it's just it's really something that's special The second thing I believe about these feast times is it helps to purge the gates See satan tries to brass the heavens over above us But during these feast times these are times that we as a church Before passover we had a couple weeks where we really fasted and prayed as a church I told people make sure you forgive everybody you need to make sure you repent of any sin We had a time of deep consecration as a church and then we go into The Passover what happens that that humble repentance is clearing the heavens over it's purging the skies that now there's more of an open heaven than what there was before the third thing I've noticed it's a special time of God's presence and intimacy the next thing I notice is connecting with something ancient and powerful and again a lot in the body of Christ don't fully understand this It's sad but this is something the devil has stolen from the church i know you all are familiar with this but it's something ancient and very powerful the next thing is it will bring a blessing upon you and your family and then the last thing is i've noticed an increase of angelic activity during these times so these are just things that i've noticed that there's something to it and it, it, it is powerful and there's a book called the messianic church arising by robert heitler that he does an excellent job of explaining this i mean me Just reading over this real real quick, I can't do it any justice, but there is something to it. Also, Mark Biltz does a lot of teaching along these lines. All right, so the last thing I want to share, and then we're going to pray. We're going to pray about this right here, what I'm sharing on, is preparation for two things. I put preparation for persecution, but preparation for what's about to come. I believe between now and Pentecost, and this conference we're going to have, god is going to really pour out his spirit i hope everybody's ready because god's about to really open this thing up to a whole new level we've not been in god's about to move a great power but you need to be ready to be persecuted about things all right so let me read this matthew 311 i wish everybody was here to to hear this part tonight people that weren't here if you you know i'm going to mention this on the internet etc but People should go back and listen to this sermon, and especially this part I'm going to share right here. But a lot of people have never been taught about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Maybe because they came from denominational backgrounds that just didn't teach on it. And I'm going to tell you something else I've noticed is that so-called Pentecostal churches now, and I grew up in Pentecost, Now I'm going to tell you, growing up in Pentecost my whole life, going to a Pentecostal Bible school, I have a right to rebuke Pentecostal amen all right those out there that call themselves pentecostals but no longer have tongues in your church you're not pentecostal anymore there's preachers out there that that you know are part of pentecostal denominations that their kids don't even speak in tongues i'm just telling you that a lot of places that are supposedly pentecostal spirit filled no longer have any gifts they don't even a lot of times have powerful altar ministry anymore and they don't talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and they're certainly not acting out in that they're not functioning in it and so the devil is trying to steal Pentecost all right so let me share some things here Matthew 3 the Bible says you know this is John the Baptist talking he says for me i baptize you with water for repentance but he who's coming after me is mightier than i and i'm not fit to remove his sandals he will baptize you with the holy spirit and with fire his winnowing fork is in his hand and he'll thoroughly clear away his threshing floor he'll gather his wheat into the barn but he'll burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire without going into great detail about that it has to do with purifying cleaning house so what does the Bible reveal about Jesus? It says that he is the one who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Acts eight fourteen. Now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John. Why? They came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he, speaking of the Holy Spirit, had not fallen upon them yet. They had simply been baptized in the name of Jesus. In other words, they got saved as far as they accepted Christ as their Savior, but they were never baptized in the Holy Ghost. Acts 19 verse 1 is about the clearest example you could possibly get. It happened while Apollos was at Corinth. Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus and found some disciples. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? and they said to him no we have not even heard that there is a holy spirit and he said into what then were you baptized and they said in the john's baptism and paul said john baptized with um is that something going off over here okay it said here that john baptized in water for repentance but there's one who's coming after me let me read this again i'm sorry i got distracted with that verse four paul said john baptized with the baptism of repentance telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him that is in jesus when they heard this they were baptized in the name of the lord jesus and then it says when paul laid his hands on them the holy spirit came on them they began speaking with tongues and prophesying There were about 12 men so look at this for a moment paul said john baptized for repentance but then he said when they heard this they were baptized into the name of the lord jesus what does that mean in the bible when people accepted christ as their savior it's described as being baptized into jesus into the body of christ that's the description that's why the apostle paul wrote in corinthians he said that we're all baptized into Christ, into one body. One baptism is talking about a baptism into Christ. It's a new birth. Okay, so they accepted Christ. They heard this. They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They were born again. And then Paul laid hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came on them. And they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. So let me explain this for a moment. So when people accept christ as their savior there's a new birth that happens that new birth is where the holy spirit goes down into your spirit and your spirit comes alive the holy spirit lives in you you're born again there's a lot of different things um, a lot of different phrases in the bible um, beyond just being born again the bible says that your heart is circumcised The Bible says that the candle of the Lord is lit The Bible talks about the incorruptible seed of God's word going into you There's a lot of different phrases that reference this new birth That now God by his spirit has entered somebody And spiritually in their spirit, they've come alive Now the word of God is beginning to be written upon their hearts now they're going to be convicted about sin how many times have i heard people that accepted christ and all of a sudden it's like man now i feel guilty about stuff i didn't even know was wrong before that's the spirit of god that's the holy spirit in them convicting them okay so that's a new birth the spirit of god living in you now let's talk about the baptism of the holy spirit this is a completely different thing the baptism in the holy spirit jesus said in acts 1 8 when He said go wait in Jerusalem till you're what clothed with power See the baptism in the Holy Spirit has to do with a clothing of power Luke 24 49 the Bible talks about that says the Spirit of God would come upon you and clothe you You'll be endued with power from on high So there's this wrapping of a, of a, a mantle if you will Where the Spirit of God comes upon somebody When somebody's baptized in the holy spirit they're going to have a prayer language begin to function in their life they're going to there's going to be some kind of a tongue some kind of a prayer language that's going to start happening it may not be immediate but it will flow at some point also there's going to be different gifts of the spirit that will begin to be in operation and the things about the gifts of the spirit is this if you're faithful with the gifts you've been given, you can pray for more, and God will give you more gifts to work in your life. So the baptism in the Holy Spirit now is a clothing of power. And the thing about the baptism in the Holy Spirit is that whenever you, you accept Christ as your Savior, the Bible says the Holy Spirit baptizes you into Christ, the body of Christ. But when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, it says, Matthew three eleven that Jesus will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. The baptism in the Holy Spirit, when somebody accepts Christ as their Savior and they're born again, it's the outer court. They're no longer outside. Now they're at least in the outer court. But whenever you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're entering into, hear what I'm about to say, you're now beginning to move into the supernatural aspect of christianity you're moving from the outer court into the holy place you're beginning now to function in the gifts of the spirit you're beginning now to see that you lay hands on the sick they recover now demons are scared of you i mean they they they're scared of a christian to a degree but they're very scared of an anointed christian that's about as the holy ghost and so now things are going to start happening like never before but the introduction to that is the baptism in the holy spirit and the devil hates the baptism of the holy spirit hates it he wants christians powerless and so sadly there's many places out there that are very theological and there's certainly nothing wrong with being theological but in that they don't talk about the baptism of the holy spirit in fact they'll preach against it and it's very sad that so many people out there are missing out on so much because they ended up in the wrong place. They accepted Christ as their savior and ended up somewhere that preaches against tongues, preaches against the Baptist Holy Spirit, preaches against healing for today, preaches against deliverance. And they've got those people so spiritually dead and dry and powerless. It's sad. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit, once you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, a lot of things are going to begin to change because there's a power now to begin to overcome. You know, and my wife in her testimony, uh, she's so thankful because, you know, when she accepted Christ as her Savior, she had come out of the occult and her family was involved in it. And so, by the grace of God, um, there was a relative that that took her in, her husband and wife that took her in, but they were Pentecostal. And so right off the bat, she was baptized in the Holy Ghost and began to speak in tongues. She was clothed with power. And you know what I believe God saw was that you needed that. You needed that to overcome, to have spiritual strength to overcome. And so God made sure that you ended up running right into them so they could help you but see this powerless christianity business what you see a lot of times too is is not only it's a it's sad because you don't see the healings and the miracles and the deliverances you could see in the church but also the people that are not baptized in the holy spirit are struggling many of them are struggling with sin that if they really had a a power in their life they could start really overcoming that does that make sense that they could break free the bible says the anointing will destroy the yoke of bondage they could be free they could be overcomers their prayer life man can you imagine of those of us that are spirit filled how much more dry your prayer life would be without tongues their prayer life isn't anything what it could be God, it's like the devil has gotten bound in the outer court and because they're around the you know the spiritually dead teaching that they're around <clears throat> it's like something there is in place to block them from being able to go deeper in god here's what i want to close with and river of life this is for river of life the remnant of river of life those of you that are are really with us for the long haul I want you to hear me as we've had people come and go and all that then you know but those that are here and you're going to be here in this revival that's about to break open i want you to be ready for the persecution that comes and let me tell you some things that the devil tries to persecute And this has happened in past revivals. But here's some things. The devil hates the gifts of the Spirit, especially tongues. How many times have we seen God move in revivals and the devil starts raising up these Pharisees and Sadducees and how in the world they don't realize that they are that and that they're doing that? I don't understand how they don't get it that they're an enemy of the holy spirit how they don't see that but the devil will raise them up and give them influence and they'll begin to really speak against the gifts and the tongues i've even heard some people that i love i love the word and we man we preach the word a lot here but there's people that get just the word and then they reject the holy spirit and I've even heard this one guy and I really like a lot of things he teaches because he's really good in some respects And he's open to the fact that gifts exist if I could say it that way but I promise you'll never hear anything in his meetings Because even though he believes that they exist his attitude is like well just about everything out there is fake though You see what i'm saying so he's disrespecting the holy spirit he's disrespecting the gifts Another thing, y'all hear me tonight because this is going to come up down the road and I don't want a bunch of surprised people. Another thing that the devil attacks is Holy Spirit manifestations. How many people have come through River of Life and, you know, because somebody fell, because somebody was shaking under the power or whatever, they couldn't take it, they couldn't stand it, they hated it and they they just got they couldn't handle it for whatever reason and it never ceases to amaze me that people don't realize that if god almighty is touching you something other than you just standing there like this is probably going to happen i mean if you lick your finger and you go over there and you stick it in the in the light socket and you just, you just do it and just stand there for a minute. Let's watch you be real still and stoic. It's not going to bother you at all that all those volts of electricity are shooting through you. But see, that God Almighty touches us, there's going to be usually something that is going to happen in your life, okay? And people can't stand. They fall, they collapse, whatever. But I'm going to tell you that there's a lot of people out there that are religious that can't, they hate the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And the thing that grieves me the most about what I'm sharing is this. The Bible says that those that, that speak, it. this is the words of Jesus. I believe it's Matthew 12, maybe around, around verse 30, something like that. I could be wrong, but you can look it up. Jesus said that those that speak against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Those are his words. And I get so grieved at the people out there that are that are just speaking against tongues, they speak against the gifts, they speak against, they're speaking against the Holy Spirit. I don't know where God draws that line, but they're flirting with that line. And that's not something you want to cross. All right. Another thing that gets really attacked is faith and healing. I remember teaching one time on faith and healing at a church that I was just on staff at. And there was a guy there that had had a relative that didn't get healed when he prayed for him. There's a lot of reasons that can happen. And it's unfortunate that that does happen sometimes. But because he had that experience, he didn't believe in healing. And he got really ticked that I was preaching against him and began to really buck up against me. But for whatever reason, there's people out there that are being taught Y'all need to know this because many of you haven't been to Bible school and, and this may be new to you, but there's people out there that teach what's called cessationism. And it's basically that all the gifts, all the healings, all the supernatural died with the apostles and it's not for today. That's what they teach. That is surprisingly common. That's surprisingly common when people grow up under spiritually speaking or growing up under that type of teaching it's false teaching but it's creating strongholds in them to where when they get around a healing service they think it's all a bunch of fake and they they, they get around tongues and they they get offended by it. see what happened is that false teaching has gone into them like a leaven, and god's got to help get that out here's another thing oh y'all just want to just go for it right just want to have revival and just go for it okay all right is the deliverance ministry yeah i mean if you're going to be persecuted let's just go all the way let's go fifth gear all the way but the thing is that people people there's some out there that don't like the deliverance ministry at all now here's the great irony to me so you have groups of people that are not spirit-filled out there whereas denominations groups whatever and they preach against the tongues they preach against things like that but a surprising amount of them will be open to the fact that christians need to be delivered from stuff okay now here's the here's the part that i don't get so i grew up around more spirit-filled groups And those that that would be labeled Pentecostal or whatever, I'm talking about baptized, Holy Ghost, tongue-talking people, they're open to tongues, and they're open to the healing ministry. But there's mainline Pentecostal denominations that do not believe in the deliverance ministry among Christians. I mean, they'll believe in going out in the street, and you see some some, you know, guy manifests a demon or something that's not a Christian. But as far as ministering to Christians, getting them delivered, they don't believe in it. They preach against it. So I'm just telling you that we have seen way too many people delivered and set free in their whole life transformed because of it. I mean radically transformed. I'm not backing off of it. We're going to continue to see people delivered. And the thing is, we just simply go through and pray for people. I remember when this started for me. God really anointed my life and touched me, real powerful. And then there was this this place that God sent me to to minister for a time. And it was a home for people. It was a younger generation of people, but it was a place where they had come from all kinds of backgrounds. The occult, gangs, all type of ethnicities, all types of different denominational backgrounds but they had been through a lot of abuse a lot of negative things in life and so i just got up there and i would just preach the word and then have them accept christ as their savior so people come down they'd be crying they get right with jesus and then we go through and just simply pray for people and man all of a sudden people start getting healed of stuff people start getting healed of mental illness disappearing all kinds of healing and deliverance i just simply was praying for people next thing i know somebody's flying through there hits the ground manifesting a demon and it's like well i mean what do you do with that these people have accepted christ they're they're wanting to be free from this you cast it out you don't sit around and debate you just cast the demon out so we got all these you know people start getting delivered and people that that maybe even had come from backgrounds that didn't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the, the funniest story was this one young lady that had grown up in a particular denomination where they taught against tongues and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm praying for people, and I mean things are happening. People, you people are getting thrown this direction. People, this person's getting healed of something. I mean, stuff's going crazy, and I'm just praying for people. Holy Spirit's really moving. And I get this young lady, and she's like, "Well, I don't know if this is real." And I said, "That's okay." I said, "Look, just ask Jesus, Lord, if this is real. I want it. That, it's not hard." And she says, "Okay, I can do that." And so she says, "Jesus, if this is real," I, and before she even finishes, she starts speaking in tongues and hit, the, fell backward. So the Deliverance Ministry and we know and my daughter tell you there's some people there's some people out there don't like the deliverance ministry Hear an amen from the left yeah all right and then the other one is the hebrew roots i do not have time to get into this tonight but you guys have taught on enough y'all y'all know but there's people out there do not like the hebrew roots either and so that's something i believe has been a tremendous blessing for us i believe god has drawn us that direction and I understand the difference between the Hebrew roots and the Catholic root system, okay? That's a, that's a whole nother sermon. Um, but anyway, just be ready that there's people that don't understand it and don't like it, and there may be some persecution. All right, and then the last thing I would say is freedom. The Bible talks about in Galatians, there'd be some that would come in among God's people to spy out their freedom. That's interesting, isn't it? And I believe it was referring to free, freedom from, um, you know, the, the coming under the law because of Galatians. You know, things like you had to be circumcised to be saved, things like that, just spout your freedom. But Satan has always hated freedom. And so freedom and praise and worship, people dancing, people shouting, people being free, unstructured services. See, there's people out there that really hate that they want man to be in control they want it to be reorganized and if you have anything beyond that where god's just moving they can't stand it. so river of life i'm telling you and i feel like the devil is, doesn't want this to really get across tonight i can feel that but i'm telling you to be ready for any persecution i've taught on these subjects enough that everybody knows you're established we all are we know and we have to be willing to buy the truth and sell it not the bible says once you paid the price for the truth and you've been persecuted for the truth okay you're going to hang on and you guys we've been through it we've been through all this enough that we know and so don't let persecution get you offended or out of revival or whatever you be willing to endure hardship as a good soldier okay is i just have a feeling like god's about to really start moving and because of that it's going to be more known and then once that starts getting out there what happens it stirs up the religious spirits that are out there and i'll close with this but one pastor was um he was saying that you know his church began to to see god move and he simply got like a local type of television station where they were able to air a little bit of his teaching he said he just wasn't ready for what was going to happen he said man he thought you know we're just we're just preaching the word he had every type of denomination you can imagine the people in that denomination writing him and he starts opening his letters and one person's like a oneness you know your oneness is you it's a, a false doctrine okay but it has to do with your that Jesus is the Father and the Holy Spirit all in one, and you have to be baptized in the name of Jesus. It's just this weird thing. Anyway, this oneness guy is like, you do realize you're going to hell because you don't believe. <laughs> and he's like, oh, okay, that's really encouraging. And then he opens the next one. <laughs> and they just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And he's like, he's like, man, I felt like I just stirred up all these religious demons. I mean, we we we, we got up on television, so it went outside our four walls, and it was like, <laughs> These religious spirits just rose up in protest. He said, "I felt like when Jesus, when it was at Mark, I read this last a couple of weeks ago. Jesus was in the synagogue, and this man manifested demon. It's like right in church, your sinner just preaching the word. All of a sudden, somebody manifests. He's like, it felt like all these manifestations of religious spirits were just in protest. So just be ready for the persecution that comes with revival. But here's the positive side." When God comes down like he's about to do, you're going to see a lot of people getting saved. You're going to see a lot of people healed. You're going to see a lot of people delivered. You're going to see lives transformed, families healed, marriages healed. And at the end of the day, it's all worth it to have a couple of religious Pharisees throwing stones, okay? It's not that big a deal. But I just want you to be ready because it doesn't come without a fight. Um, The devil is, I remember Steve Hill telling me, he's like, Scott, listen, you know, you're, you have a heart to win souls. And he prayed for me about that. And it was very powerful. But he said, you're not going to be able to go out there and start, and this was his words, you're taking all the devil's little soldiers away from him. You're getting all these people saved. He said, the devil's not going to let you do it without a fight. You need to be ready for that. That's what he told me. And I, and I take that to heart. All right, so, Father, we thank you for this word, that you really get this in us. We want our lives, Lord, to line up with your word, and we want to be ready to count the cost. We want to be ready to endure hardships as a good, good soldier, and we want to be ready for what you're wanting to do. And, Father, I pray, Lord, here in a moment, my wife and I are going to pray with people. I pray that you would baptize with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Lord, even those that may be speaking tongues, that they'll just be a new, fresh, anointing, a fresh infilling, a fresh baptism of the Spirit of Fire, just a new, fresh move in their life. And those that have never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, we thank you, Lord, that they will be. Let there be a flow, in Jesus' name, of tongues in people's lives. We're not ashamed of Pentecost, and we're not ashamed of the Holy Spirit. We love you, Holy Spirit, and we thank you for being with us here. And, Father, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.